Greetings, Winject community. This is Angelo Cisco, and this week is Imposter Syndrome Week. Uh, about a month or two ago, my business partner, Ryan Buccentini, delivered an incredible workshop on this subject, and I would really love to share where I fall my own personal story with imposter syndrome and what archetype in imposter syndrome that I struggle with the most. And so first, this idea of imposter syndrome, I would really like to put out there and say, to some degree, we all suffer in this area. And what often comes out when we are suffering in this area is what we would more than likely do if we were up against the wall and what would be our tool for survival. So if you're if you were really looking to unpack what imposter syndrome is, it seems as if it is the move that we would do if we had no choice left but to survive, what our animal would do in that moment. Some people would fight, some people would flight, and some people would freeze. And as I've learned from Ryan and unpacked this more in myself, I identify as what's called the overachiever. And although that sounds really great, I'm going to talk about also the downsides of being this overachiever. So I could be in a situation, and what that really means is, is I try to take it all over. I try, so when we are reaching our moment of imposter or feeling that fear, what really shows up? And for me, I choose to run over or I would automatically before, I, I don't want to say I would choose, but my for my upbringing and trauma and growth and understanding of me and my little animal, what happens to me when I get under the most stress and most fear is I turn to overachieving, cutting everyone's head off, even my own, right? Or what my mother used to tell me, don't bite your nose off to spite your face, right? And that is who I turn into when I am in my deepest fears or imposter. And I really wanted to share about this along the way because oftentimes I get glorified and have been glorified and rewarded short-term for having this over, overachiever mentality. And as I've grown, it actually has worked against me more and more as a man, and, but more importantly, in my relationships. So I am originally from Chicago, and so the best overachiever syndrome or best imposter syndrome who I really believe I learned this from is Michael Jordan. 
So early on in Michael Jordan's career, if you followed the Bulls through the 80s, is Michael Jordan was coached by coaches that allowed Michael to have the ball all the time, and Michael would score a lot of points. He was young. He was very physically capable at that time because he just got out of college, right? And so he was able to maintain uh, for long periods of time this ability to overachieve and take over games. And if you watch the Bulls through those 80s, Michael was... Michael, right? This is the free throw Duncan introduction to the shoes. We had those slam dunk contests, like I mentioned, with him and Dominique Wilkins. This is where Michael really set himself apart in the in the world, right? People really saw him as the greatest basketball player ever. Now, if you really looked further, though, the Bulls never won a championship in the 80s. So this idea of being an overachiever sounds great if you're playing for an I. Yet, it does not work when you're playing for the we or the collective. Because you don't include anybody. I don't include anybody when I wear my overachiever costume when I'm being an imposter. And that's what's really important because Michael Jordan did receive a lot of accolades. He, the free throw dunks, the scoring championships, the, uh, you know, defensive player of the year, right? He was the guy, yet the Bulls did not win any championships. What happened was, is that especially in those later 80s, you saw teams like the Pistons, the bad boys, create a structure around being the Jordan stoppers. That's how Chuck Daly, the coach of the the Detroit Pistons, wound up really making that all work. They had this idea that if Jordan got the ball, they would double team and triple him triple team him, and then the Bulls were helpless. And Michael would go very deep into the playoffs. Everyone saw him as the greatest player throughout the season. They knew he was amazing, yet he couldn't win a championship. And in the early six, seven years of uh, 84, around five to six years of his career, his seasons would ramp up. He would be absolutely amazing, right? His physicality was great. Yet when it got to the grind of the playoffs, the toughest part of the season, because it was all solely based on him and not contribution from others and Michael's ability to play well with others, they did not win a championship. There was a coach, Doug Collins, who coached Michael early in his career that applauded this behavior of Michael. And then he actually coached Michael later on in the Wizards, which is another story. Yet Doug Collins got fired and came Phil Jackson. 
Now, Phil Jackson saw this because he was assistant coach of the Bulls and had a long sit down with Michael about this behavior. And so it's a learning. And what he taught Michael was the true definition of competitiveness. And this is the anchor that I use to help keep my overachieving mentality in check, especially because enthusiasm and impatience are next door neighbors, right? It's an attitude shift, right? I could be very enthusiastic and exciting, yet if I'm negative, it could turn into an impatience and then bring energy down. And so Phil sat down with Michael and said, do you really want to win? And Michael said, yes, very much. And so Phil and Tex Winner, who was Phil's assistant, walked him through this triangle offense and helped Michael understand in order for Michael to be the Magic Johnson, the Larry Birds, it was no longer about his individual scoring and it was going to be about playing as a team and contributing. And so Tex was the most technical coach in the game and mastered the triangle offense. He taught Phil Jackson that. And so the Bulls began ran, running a triangle offense, which was completely based on being an unselfish team. And Michael learning how to share the ball and more importantly, trust his team. Because the overachiever struggles, including myself, with trust. And that is why I developed an overachieving mentality. And that is why Michael developed an overachieving mentality. Is that growing up, there was something that happened in our lives where we did not feel that we could trust others and that we could only trust ourselves when we're in those desperate moments. Now, like I said, it's really great when you are only an I. Yet, if we are a part of any we, that be our families and business, anything of that nature, and I guarantee you, if you're trying to grow a big business, improve your organization, it's we's. You have to focus on the we's and not the eyes. That's why that saying there's no I in team. And Michael would joke with the coaches and say, but there is an I in win. And everyone would laugh a little bit. Yet the truth is, is Michael learning to harness that is why the Bulls actually became the Chicago Bulls, and that's why Michael actually became known as the, the greatest champion of all time, and I'm sure you guys understand the story. And so for many of you out there, this is not often talked about as being a part of the imposter syndrome. A lot of people talk about the weak side of the imposter syndrome, trying to be someone that you're not or a lot of things of that nature. But if you're out there and you're an overachiever and you're a leader and deep down you still believe that you're better than other people, you could do it better than other people. 
that get the hell out of the way. You can't do it like me. That's an imposter from a different side of things. That's the side that I work on when I'm in my deepest fears. When my business isn't making necessarily, we're not making the hitting the goals like halfway through the month. If we're not on track to hit our goal, my little boy in me just wants to steal the ball from everyone and do all of the scoring. Yet what that does is, is it brings down team morale. And then also too, anyone that we're competing with will eventually realize that all they got to do is put two people on me and they'll crush me. And also too, the older I get, the reliance on my physicality will not allow me to overachieve as I did when I was 25 or 26. So as you are growing your organization, as you are growing your family as an adult, our physicality will diminish. Yet our ability to accommodate and create a we will leave you with possibilities that are infinite. So slow down, my overachievers. Even if you feel like you could do it better, even like if you know you could do it better, and I wink and I say that, allow others a time to grow. It may feel slow. That's okay. Give them the patience and the grace so that they could step into their fullest because one day you'll look around and you'll see Scotty Pippen, you'll see Dennis Rodman and those other guys step into their roles. First it was Horace Grant, right? Yet Scotty was always there. A strong power forward was always there. And let's give it up. A, a cool white guy like John Paxson and Steve Kerr was always there to hit that game-winning three, right? We saw that against the Phoenix Suns, and we saw that again with the Utah Jazz in the, the, the winning of uh, the fifth championship. And having people around you that you could trust and also people around you that could check you in ways that you like to be checked by and supported by and losing your ego in those moments and trusting that they love you enough to be there is what the overachiever needs to really put in place and communicate well so that when they are actually spoken to by those people and checked that they don't feel that they need to pump their chest up and resort to going back to those overachieving behaviors because oftentimes the overachiever is the first casualty. And not a lot of people speak about that as well, because that sword gets heavier and heavier to bear. And when that sword gets heavy for the overachiever, because they're swinging it alone, they get burnt out, lose inspiration and motivation. And now all of a sudden the leader is no longer able to fulfill their true duties and calling, 
which is leading from the front. So imposter syndrome is a real thing. It's the deep-rooted person that you become when you are up against your biggest fear. Understand that overachieving, the becoming an only an I instead of a we, is a form of being an imposter. It's not your truest or highest self. I wish you all the courage and strength to look at yourself honestly, reflect, and know where you fall in the spectrum. Use it to your strengths. Understand your weaknesses. Create relationships, structures, and boundaries so that the people around you that you surround yourself with and for yourself so that you do not to resort to this behavior because it actually turns against us in some sort of way. Have a beautiful week, my Winjet community. We have an exciting week coming up next week. I cannot talk to you. I cannot wait to talk about our subject. Please follow us, like us, share us. We love you guys out there. Very much appreciation from Angelo and Alpha Hippie. Winjet community, I love you all very much. Bye-bye. This broadcast is brought to you by Winject Studios. We are an all-in-one educational platform for podcasters that revolutionizes how hosts leverage content to increase engagement with listeners, downloads, and income. We come together to focus on community, collaboration, and collective impact. For more information on how you can interact directly with our hosts, access exclusive live content with offers you can't get anywhere else from our official partners, join our purpose-driven community by visiting www.winject.com. If you're ready to build a career doing what you love, then we're ready to see you there.